without further ado, welcome everybody to the Cannabis Incubator Podcast. Today we have Aaron Coffey from the High Rise Agency. He's going to talk to us, I think, about cannabis marketing and uh, tips and tricks he's learned along the way. So without further ado, I'll turn it over Aaron for Aaron to introduce himself. Yeah. What's up, guys? My name is Aaron. I'm the CEO and founder of High Rise Agency and High Rise TV. And yeah, thanks for having me on the show today. Can you tell us more about High Rise? Like, how did it come to be? Um, what's your background? You know, before High Rise, all that's like the origin story, I guess you could say. Yeah, totally. So it's definitely kind of been a a long, interesting, kind of evolving road. Um, you know, with High Rise, we uh, we started about ten years ago. Um, about 10 years ago, and it initially started as, you know, just a, a clothing company. Um, you know, I grew up skateboarding in Southern California, and, you know, skating kind of was my life. And so um, definitely through that, kind of got involved in, you know, different elements from streetwear to manufacturing, you know, creative. I used to make a lot of the skate videos and, and fun stuff like that. So we launched a clothing brand, you know, initially kind of geared towards, uh, cannabis, um, streetwear, skateboarding, kind of those, you know, three kind of pillars. Um, and I would say for the first, maybe like two or three years, it was solely clothing focused. Um, we were sold in shit, almost like a hundred retailers across the country, um, online. Um, and kind of, you know, we were thinking of how do we drive more traffic and, you know, get more attention on the clothing side. Um, so that kind of led us to, launching high rise tv which uh was our youtube channel that we launched um and kind of the idea with that was let's you know create this youtube channel based around you know original cannabis content at the time there was really only a handful of people creating um youtube you know kind of cannabis stuff you know there's really only a couple a couple people doing it so kind of saw like a lane there to kind of you know slide in and start creating some stuff so we launched the channel with a show called Two Girls, One Bong um, with these two girls, uh, which are now super cracking kind of cannabis influencers, Mac Dizzle and Joya. And at the time, they didn't even know each other. We had no idea what we were doing. And it was kind of an experiment almost. And I would say by like the third episode, it was just absolutely crushing it. Um, we ended up amassing about 100,000 subscribers on our youtube in the first couple months just solely through that show so we we're putting up one to two episodes a week just kind of you know it's kind of like bff vibes you know what i mean we had the kind of you know mckenzie was the kind of like loud funny one and joy was the more quiet stoner kind of chill one so they had a great complimentary kind of chemistry and i think it really just resonated and it was just not too produced it's just more organic kind of relatable kind of content um and so that really just kind of took off pretty quickly um and so then we got you know more involved in kind of the cannabis media side and we started kind of putting out other shows and other original content kind of through the youtube channel um did that for a couple of years um that ended up getting bigger than the clothing side so the focus kind of switched towards the media side and content production um a lot of the big channels at the time, like, you know, Weed Maps and High Times and a lot of the kind of like, you know, bigger players, we were like literally growing faster than all of them. And so we started getting hit up by literally every major outlet and, you know, asking for consulting help or, you know, collaborations, things like that. So we kind of saw an opportunity to really 
you know, go deeper into the, into the cannabis kind of marketing side. And, um, I would say, you know, maybe five years in total, um, we decided to launch high rise agency, um, with kind of the intention being, we want to be, you know, the go-to cannabis agency for brands and companies, um, in the space and just solely focused on cannabis. At the time, there wasn't really any agency that was, you know, solely a cannabis kind of agency. Um, a lot of agencies from, you know, traditional were kind of doing some stuff, but it just never really resonated or hit. And so I think that's kind of what definitely helped us out was just we had an understanding of, of you know, not only content, but the cannabis industry and the plant and all the things that kind of go into it. And that kind of thing gave us a, a little bit of a leg up when it came to, you know, marketing for a lot of these brands. Um, and so, yeah, we launched the agency, um, again, no real idea what we were doing. Just, you know, we had uh, a fair amount of experience from building our own brand and building, you know, content and growing our own platforms. And, you know, we decided to roll that into the agency and do it for others and, uh, took off, you know, pretty quickly. Um, the first year I would say we probably worked with maybe like 70, 70 ish clients. Um, they really just kind of started snowballing and, you know, the word of mouth was, was really big. Um, and yeah, today I think we're over the 500 mark, which doesn't really even sound realistic. And a lot of people like, don't, I don't know, just people would be like, really 500. And I'm like, yeah, like I literally have a Dropbox of like over 500, you know, brands and projects that we've done. So, um, yeah, at this point we pretty much worked with, you know, all the major brands here in California um in one way or another and you know just full service kind of marketing you know agency um and then yeah like two years into the agency uh as things were kind of growing and expanding um we were based in long beach and you know there's like nine of us just in this like random just like house in long beach and we were just like all crammed into a master bedroom and just cranking out projects for stevie and you know all these like huge companies and it got to the point where we're like, okay, we need to kind of like, you know, it's time to step it up a little bit. So with that, we got into the high rise mansion. Um, we were able to kind of secure this once in a lifetime kind of opportunity. Um, we're able to get this crazy mansion in Beverly Hills with the kind of concept of creating, you know, a cannabis content kind of house. And that was kind of the idea behind it. Um, and so we moved into the Beverly Hills house, um, it was about three years ago now, I'd say. And uh, we, for two years straight, just kind of maximized it to its full potential and started doing a lot of um, industry-focused events um, and mixers and getting a lot of brands involved with the house. And we're really just pumping out, you know, insane amounts of content at that property, as well as throwing one to two, sometimes three events a week um, for literally two years straight. So, um kind of really, you know, doubled down on building out our community and our network and also, you know, kind of got our name out there even more. So that was definitely huge for us. And um, we moved out of that space after two years. Um, from there, we moved to downtown Los Angeles, um, started working closely with the Green Street guys um, with their new building um, here in LA. And and yeah, today we're uh, we're cranking away. You know, same things. We're doing a bunch of events. We have the agency. We have high rise TV. 
Um, and yeah, so it's kind of been a long, uh, interesting ride for sure. It's super cool, man, because I, you know, it's like really well documented in terms of like the prohibition on like paid advertising by and large for Instagram, Facebook and the like, and, you know, accounts getting shut down and all of that. I'm t- taking nothing away from that. But to me, it's like at a certain point, like as an industry, we have to accept that like we have those limitations and you have to get creative and you guys have seemed to kind of tapped into that. And I think part of it is you guys understand the culture, you know, like, and that, that's what I think is lost on some of this. And I, I love pictures of flower as much as the next guy, you know what I mean? But I I think we need to um, broaden our horizons. And I, I, I think like day in the life type content, I've seen more and more brands start to do it and do it well. But I always thought that that's a, a huge missing piece. Like if you had a master grower and if you just even followed him for a week and got content on his day to day, you know, it's, it's great to put content out there of like how to's like, you know, in terms of how to cure, you know, during the harvest or whatever. But if you could actually see it day in the life type stuff, that to me is like part of the answer in terms of getting around some of the restrictions. And it seems like it's almost part of what you guys have tapped into just watching some of your content. Yeah, no, you definitely nailed it on the head. That's definitely one of the main things that we kind of see here, you know, a ton is brands reaching out to us, um, you know, telling us how they've hired a, a marketing agency that's not in, you know, the cannabis space. And, you know, nine times out of 10, those agencies don't understand, like you said, the culture and the nuances and all the things that go into, you know, this industry and really, you know, makes it hard to translate the content in a way that the consumer is going to, you know, appreciate and see as being, you know, legit and organic and not, you know, pay to play kind of thing. So yeah, we definitely see a ton of that. And kind of our background is like, you know, we grew up, all grew up as, you know, skateboarders here in Southern California. And I think that is really why we have such a grasp on kind of the cultural side of things from, you know, the music to fashion, to the creative, the content, you know, all these things we kind of grew up kind of doing so it's almost kind of more natural to us um for a lot of those things you know oh i was gonna ask you like what's one mistake that you can think of that brands make but that that seems to be at least one of the answers that you work with an agency or you leave it to someone internally who may not be completely in tune with the culture and i you know people go like back and forth but like oh like do you have to smoke to or consume um you know, to be within the cannabis industry and be effective, be successful. And I think there's actually merit to that, but I think it's really less about like, do you actually smoke or do you consume? Otherwise it is more about like, do you really like understand what's going on here? Because like, even as like a lawyer, like I can usually sniff out pretty, pretty quickly for like example, like in a consultation, whether or not someone is actually coming from the cannabis industry or maybe from a more traditional uh, business background, say. And I think that's important because I, I think, I, especially in this day and age with video and everything, like authenticity is a hard thing to fake. You know what I mean? And do you think, I don't know, what do you think about that? Do you think that brands kind of try to be some something they're not sometimes and it's kind of lost on consumers? Yeah, I think that's a huge thing is just kind of brands kind of just missing the mark um or you know working with these outside kind of companies or agencies that you know in a traditional sense you know advertising raw uh laws and restrictions and and things like that are much much different than when you're doing it with cannabis and it's almost like when you're you know marketing cannabis you have this like huge like weight vest on and you're kind of like running up a hill or whatever you know it's like 
it's very, very difficult to kind of navigate a lot of these things. And a lot of, you know, those types of companies don't really understand that. Um, in addition to just, you know, the messaging and, you know, like we've worked with, you know, other agencies that don't know what Indica or Sativa is or what, what the difference between indoor flower versus outdoor flower. And so when they're going to create these campaigns, it's like the consumer is going to be able to smell that out from a mile away. And, you know, it's just, it's not going to resonate or, or hit with the, with the consumer, you know? So, um, yeah, no, definitely see, see a lot of that stuff for sure. It feels like you could have like the complete opposite in impact that you would hope. Like it, if I, as a consumer, like see an advertisement and I can tell that you're essentially just like regurgitating something you've read, like it's going to make me feel like, ah, you know, maybe they're, they've not been in the game long or that they're not in it for the right reasons. I would imagine might be the impression someone would have. Yeah, totally. And like, we kind of always like to go back to, you know, like our skateboarding kind of like, you know, origin and it's a very, very similar, uh, kind of, you know, um, roll out of industries, I guess, like with skateboarding, it's like, you know, you have this core community of skaters and then you have, you know, Nike and, you know, you have all these big corporate companies trying to come in and kind of plant their flag in this, you know, core kind of, you know, rebellious, I guess you could say community. And, you know, skaters are going to smell that out from a mile away. And like, I don't want to fucking work with Nike or these corporate companies or whatever. And it's the same thing with cannabis. It's like, yeah, I have all these big corporations coming in, trying to, you know, pay their way into the, the industry. And, you know, people can smell that out from a mile away if they're, you know, just trying to make a quick buck versus if they're actually been doing this and, you know, part of the culture and the industry and community, you know? Oh, I didn't even think of it that way. You guys have kind of already seen this. Yeah. So it's like, there's a, definitely a lot of similarities within kind of like the two industries. And it's been really interesting to see, you know, how cannabis kind of has been panning out and it's very, very similar for sure. Well, I mean, just working with the amount of cannabis companies you guys have, you understand the market is kind of like rough right now. Well, you uh, you cut out there. I, I think you're muted. This mic always cuts out for sure. Oh, wait, now you're gone. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For some reason, like the connection on this is, I think it's like loose or something. It cuts out. But um, no, what I was saying is like, a lot of cannabis companies like don't have a huge budget, right? Just especially with the way the market is right now. What's your advice for someone who is looking to do just in-house marketing? Like where should they start if they're on a tight budget, would you say? Yeah, I think a lot of companies kind of like overthink, you know, a lot of the stuff a lot of times. And, you know, nowadays with iPhones and social media, it's almost the the, the entry level is so easy to kind of like break in and it's as simple as just documenting things every day on your phone. You know, if you're a cultivation, go on the farm and, you know, get some little videos in the farm talking about, you know, tips for growing or, you know, do a little day in the life behind the scenes. There's like so many different kind of ways to create content. And now it's all about just that short, engaging, relatable, organic kind of content usually kind of like performs best. Um, and you know, it's so easy to do now with iPhones. So I think that would be, you know, kind of a great first step is just start producing content and don't overthink it. And, you know, a lot of brands want to have a three week strategy session and, you know, spend a month just like planning the shoot to get these assets that they're going to post that are going to get swiped up on in two seconds and people are onto the next thing. And, 
you know, that time could be, you know, much better spent elsewhere on, you know, other things than trying to kind of like micromanage or perfect your content when it should really just be about creating content, putting it out there, seeing what hits, seeing what doesn't hit and kind of tweaking and adjusting kind of, you know, based off of that. Yeah, I spoke at an event like years ago in New York City and it was it was actually to like hemp derived CBD companies. And we were talking about marketing and of course like the limitations on paid advertising and whatnot came up. And I my thing with it with it is like let's put ourselves in the mindset that you could do it as far as do paid advertising. Like at a certain point, like you're gonna have to do something different. You know what I mean? And obviously paid advertising is a skill in and of itself. And I'm not saying that couldn't be an advantage to a company, but like if everybody's doing it, you're still going to like end up having to find a way to distinguish yourself from other companies. And I, I like the idea of iPhone and honestly, like I would almost rather an iPhone video that's not like overly produced from a cultivator on buying because it, you ultimately you buy from people, you know, and especially if it's like your local cultivator, I think there's almost, maybe there's something to be said of, of going that route, even if you have the budget to have a, a well-produced video just depending on the situation yeah and like we've we literally tested it over the last five ten years and you know we've like gone both routes and like you know we've done the full crazy production you know video and we've done the 10 second iphone video and honestly nine times out of ten the, the iphone video is going to hit because the algorithm picks up that more organic relevant stuff and the audience sees it as more relatable and real versus this crazy produced commercial of all these, you know, bells and whistles or whatever, it tends to kind of not hit the algorithm and not hit the kind of, you know, wavelength with the with the consumer or the audience. So yeah, like that's what we recommend is, you know, iPhone organic, just relatable, you know, interesting content really. Do you think like time plays a factor here? Because I I like for my law practice, I'll like talk to other attorneys about marketing. And it's like, they'll post consistently for a month and it doesn't quote unquote work. And they're like, I'm out. Like, do you think there's an element of like, you need to give it time to work and consistently do it? Cause that's my general take, at least on, in my world with, with attorneys and whatnot. Yeah. I think that's another huge, huge thing that we see, you know, brands make the mistake of every day is, is a lot of these brands are in such a rush to get their their ROI, right? That's the the favorite buzzword or whatever. So it's like, you know, it's been two weeks. Like, why isn't this working? And it's like, you know, in reality, you to do this properly, you need to build a brand, and to build a brand takes time. And branding isn't, you know, one month of social media. It's you know, checking all of your boxes consistently, month after month after month after month, and and really, you know, driving it home and not just doing it for you know, a month and then being like, oh, this isn't working, you know, and a lot of brands kind of make that mistake because they're so over leveraged or there's already so much invested. They need to get that money back so quickly. And they're looking at it more transactionally than building, you know, an actual long lasting brand. Um, and so I think the brands that kind of understand that it takes time and consistency and, you know, consumers not going to buy your, your product after seeing, you know, a photo one time it's on the third, fourth, fifth, sixth time seeing it and kind of the fluency of, of creatives, you know, that's when they kind of start resonating with it more and becoming more familiar with, you know, the brand and the messaging and, and the products. Do you have an opinion one way or another on like just, and I'm not referring to any specific event, but just like industry events in general, in terms of there being a return and going to them, 
do you think, because like the way I look at it for myself personally, like I'll give you my two cents as an attorney. It's like I could spend $2,500 on a booth or I could spend that same amount of time and, and resources like putting out content on Instagram or LinkedIn or wherever. Like, do you think, does it depend? I mean, what are your general thoughts just like on industry events for a brand specifically? Yeah. I mean, I guess it does really just kind of depend, you know, where you're at with the brand and kind of what your objectives are. I do see, you know, some value in, you know, getting, you know, an activation or a booth at, you know, some events. Um, but, you know, if you're just in the industry trying to make connections or build your personal brand and things like that, I think just being at these events is really invaluable. And, you know, when you're positioning yourself at the right ones, you're really just, you know, integrating within the core of the community. And it's honestly a great way to kind of build your network and, you know, also kind of see the inside of what's going on in the industry and seeing who's doing what and kind of getting an understanding for that. And yeah, a lot of times I'll like advise our clients, like, you know, maybe get the booth one time a year and then maybe at the second show, put that money into doing a private, you know, a little mixer or after party for, you know, all your buyers or all your clients that are in town or, you know, other kind of avenues like that. Um, but I think just having a consistent presence, regardless if you have an activation or not, like a lot of brands will even they just call it like the backpack method. Like some of the smaller brands are like, I'm not going to pay eight grand for this, like booth or whatever. I'm just going to come to the show with my backpack and fucking samples in my backpack and just meet people at the after parties and kind of run it that way. And, you know, there's definitely, you know, pros and cons to, to both. And I guess it does kind of just depend where you're at as a brand. But um, for us, I think events is, you know, key. And like, it's it's been huge for us. And I've seen it work, you know, really well for other brands, not only attending, you know, these industry events, but hosting your own events and, you know, doing your own thing and building your own community and, you know, really being able to connect in person with, you know, the people that are buying your products or the the brands and stores and clients that you're working with and really like deepening those relationships. And, you know, I think that's a huge void. I don't think there's a lot of brands really doing it. There's, you know, a handful, but I think brands that do that consistently, there's just so much value in it from not only being able to create, you know, content around these events, but branding your brand, you know, meeting more connections, connecting with the consumer, getting samples out. There's so many different layers and elements that you can leverage by hosting your own event. And I think a lot of brands overthink that, you know, they need a crazy venue and they need a performer and they need, you know, crazy food. When in reality, it's like the basics, you know, have a, a, a nice spot where people can come and, and hang out and smoke weed and, you know, maybe have a drink and eat some food and have some good music and, you know, it's really, you know, you can really do it for, for a lot less than people, I think, you know, realized. So, so like two words in that answer really stuck out to me. And it's community and consistency. Do you think that brands like try to run before they crawl or walk too much in terms of like product skews and markets they want to hit? Like, do you think that's an issue in all of this in developing a community, a brand and having a level of consistency in what a consumer is to expect when they go to the dispensary and buy your product. Yeah, totally. Like we see, you know, so many companies and brands are just so over leveraged and they'll, you know, literally dump 50, 100, $150 million into these crazy facilities and crazy product lines and SKUs and all this stuff with no even real understanding of the market or where it's at. And it's like, it's crazy when, you know, like 
it's just it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see kind of how it all pans out for sure but yeah i think like there's so many other ways that you can like allocate your your capital and you know be more resourceful and spread it you know a lot wider than a lot of these brands are kind of like currently doing and and yeah kind of going back to what we were saying earlier it's just the consistency part too because they'll you know put all this money into this crazy thing and then oh why isn't it working you know after a month or whatever and it's like because they now need to make back the hundred million dollars that they're in the hole that they just spent the last two years building out this facility you know what i mean so it's like i definitely do see a lot of that and yeah it's it's definitely interesting to see kind of how that's been playing out for sure from like a high level, what's the approach if I'm an if I'm a brand like a new brand or an existing brand, and you agree as as high rise that yeah you guys should expand and this is how you should go about doing it like what are like what are some of the things a brand should be thinking about before they launch let's say like a new skew of edibles or something like that like is there market research and what's the approach from a high level that brands should take before they they actually launch something new. Yeah, I think honestly, just general understanding of the consumer and the market and, you know, what that product is, you know, trying to target and not going, you know, to like a lot of brands will kind of just be like, I want to be Coca-Cola cannabis or whatever. And so it's like, okay, well, who are you marketing towards? You're marketing towards everybody. It's going to be tougher than if you're kind of more, you know, dialed in and focused on kind of like a specific like avatar demographic. Um, So yeah, I think just, you know, basic research and understanding of, you know, what's selling, who's out there, who's your competitors, what's the demographic, you know, how are we going to launch this? How are we going to market this? You know, really checking all the boxes too, because you have to nowadays to be a successful cannabis brand, you can't just throw some product out and hope it's going to sell. It's like, there's so much competition is so saturated. There's so much money being dumped in so many people doing it. It's like, you really got to be, you know, checking all of those boxes. And I think a lot of brands underestimate, you know, what it takes. And I think, they think, you know, we can just launch this product and get it in dispensaries and it's going to sell out. And, you know, once you get it in the dispensary, that's the fun part. So it's easy to get it into the dispensary, but now what, you know what I mean? Now you have to sell it through. And then how do you scale that? How do you, you know, sell through at 150 different retailers that you have to do PADs at every week and run promos at and make sure they're staffed and make sure they're merchandised. And you know what I mean? There's so many elements that go into it that I think a lot of brands really underestimate and, you know, you really do have to check all of those boxes to, to really, you know, do, do it properly. Well, and I think it goes back to the culture thing we were talking about. And I go back to like, oh, do you smoke or, or not? If, if your CEO just started smoking a month ago, like he, that doesn't mean he's going to, you know, or he or she is going to have an insight into what the mar- market ultimately is. And especially like as a distributor in California, for example, like, you go into a retailer and they're a retailer that has been bought, been involved in the industry for any period of time. I feel like they're again, like they're probably going to sniff you out pretty quick. And I, I think that speaks to like the need for having at least having someone on board, if not a significant part of your team from, you know, someone from the industry that actually understands the industry and, um, what what's that been like for you guys? I mean, is that a void that high rise can fill or is it a conversation where you're like, you guys need to maybe bring someone in that can kind of fill that void? Yeah, no, you nailed it. That's definitely like a huge, huge void is just like bridging that gap and having somebody that actually understands who's doing what, you know, who the players are, who to follow, what retailers are paying their bills on time. You know, all these things like, you know, another thing it's like, 
you know, brands will will make these crazy projections based off of 1,100 dispensaries or whatever the number is now, not understanding that only 200 of them are paying their bills on time. So you're projecting a thousand retail sell through when in, in reality, there's only two, a couple hundred that are actually paying on time. And, you know, little things like that, that you wouldn't know or understand if you're from outside the industry. And, you know, yeah, like you said, it's just, you need to know who's doing what and how they're doing it and having an understanding of the industry, where it's at and where it's going. And, and I think that's, you know, huge. And that's really been, you know, I think why a lot of brands work with us is because we can kind of bridge the gap from, you know, the, the stoner, you know, stoner consumer to the the business board man. And we like to kind of like play in the middle and be able to kind of navigate both sides and, and, you know, make sure that, that it's hitting to the consumer and vice versa. Have you guys started working with brands outside of California or are you guys limited to California at this point? Yeah. So we have a handful of clients in other States. Um, we have a client in Missouri um we have one in michigan um talking to a couple in new york um but yeah i'd say 90 percent of them 95 percent of them are, are california based and that's kind of our strategy or you know kind of been our approach is like let's just try to dominate la and and you know plant our flag here and you know hopefully that will lead to you know nationwide worldwide whatever you know clients coming in kind of you know being the forefront of the the la kind of epicenter have you noticed like a, a a distinct difference like in the markets and working with different businesses in different states outside of California or is it like a similar approach? Yeah. So every kind of like outside, like, you know, client that we've talked to or even just non-clients, just companies we've talked to, it's, they're all like one to two to three years behind in terms of everything from like, you know, packaging to marketing to messaging to like literally everything like being here in LA has given us a big leg up because LA is typically the first or you know one of the first to kind of like really like you know just in terms of culture as a whole from fashion to music to cannabis to music to whatever it's all kind of here in LA so that kind of accelerates our kind of like learning and experience versus a company in Oklahoma or you know some other market that's not as mature yet. Do you, so I'm a Massachusetts guy originally actually. So I have some insight into this and I have a question along the same lines. I just like, is there, do you guys, I, what I could see happening, let's say Massachusetts, not just a hypothetical and not even a state. It sounds like you guys are working in right now, but let's say a Massachusetts company wants to bring Like they see what high rise is doing. They see you guys come back come from this like skateboarding and California culture. Do you guys, is there a conversation like with a, like a Massachusetts company who has grown up as kids in Massachusetts, probably freezing their ass off, not like on the beaches, you know, like of Santa Monica. Is there a conversation of like, you guys need to find your voice and like be who you are type of deal? Or um, is that not really like a hurdle that you guys encounter? Yeah, it kind of really just depends on, you know, the the brand and the company and kind of, you know, what their positioning and kind of like objectives are. But yeah, in a lot of cases, that's just going back to what you're saying earlier. It's like, you know, focus on your on your story and, you know, just documenting what you're doing and and who's part of it and who's on the team and what your background is and how you're tied to cannabis and kind of like showing that side of it that you're not just popping up a weed brand to make money overnight kind of thing and kind of like trying to double down on that and, you know 
kind of looking at your community and, you know, your area and, you know, what are they doing and how can we work, you know, with them or, you know, do events or give back or, you know, whatever it kind of may be. So, um, yeah, it's kind of just case by case, but definitely encounter that for sure. What would you say if you had to pick one mistake that you see brands make pretty consistently, what would it be? I think a big one too is brands thinking that they can just align with a celebrity and they're going to just blow up and just like have the, the most cracking kind of like product or brand or whatever. And I see this so much where, you know, they think that they're just going to do a collab or align with a celebrity and it's going to just blow up and nine times out of 10, the celebrity just wants to do this to just say that they have a weed product and slap their name on it. And they're not going to do the follow through of actually marketing it and promoting it and being involved. And, you know, it's like, I mean, it does work very few of like couple, two times out of a hundred or something like realistically, like, and I just, I see that so much and, and them trying to kind of just pander to, you know, celebrities instead of like, for instance, a lot of these like for cannabis influencers or community pillars have engagement that's, you know, 5, 10, 15 X what some of these celebrities have. And it's 100% cannabis consumers following them. Um, and so I see like kind of, you know, that side kind of being slept on and a lot of the like, you know, BC list kind of celebrities, you know, that they try launching products with. And it just fizzles out very quickly because it's same same kind of concept you can just kind of see right through it that oh this dude's just putting his name on it to try to make a quick buck versus the ones that are actually involved and actually promoting and actually you know developing the products and, and things like that which are you know successful but a large majority of them are not people get so that people get way too wrapped up in like vanity metrics if you took the money that you pay to a celebrity athlete whatever and you contacted like micro influencers on Instagram who have an established following and put money into doing collaborations with them. And obviously like just a, the legal note to this is that you need to make sure you're, you're following FTC guidelines and all that kind of stuff. But if you were to put that money into that like execution, I think it would go a lot farther. I think we get so like wrapped up and, you know, having thousands and thousands of followers that I think if you really dig down into some of these accounts, especially on Instagram, and you look rather than the follower account, you look at the engagement, there's a ton of opportunity there. And it's always kind of surprised me that people haven't gone that route. It's almost like people want that press release that so-and-so is working with us and, uh, you know, look at us kind of deal. No, you, you literally nailed it. And that's something we do a ton of too, is these influencer campaigns. And that's like, our main advice it's like go with the micros like go deeper than wider you know it's like you can have a million followers but like what if you know seven hundred and fifty thousand of them don't even smoke weed or whatever you know versus like you could pay that one person 10 grand for one post or whatever or you can pay 150 dollars times whatever that number is hundreds or whatever of you know these micro influencers that maybe they only have two thousand three thousand four thousand followers but it's you know buyers of all the main dispensaries or it's all the, the growers or it's all just very core cannabis you know kind of people that are following them and i think people definitely sleep on that and to your point they do just look at the the vanity of it and you know oh well, i have this number of followers but they're not looking at the depth of those followers and who those followers are and yeah there's a ton a ton of value in in leveraging those those micro influencer campaigns and not only from a you know 
awareness exposure standpoint, but you're also now creating an army of people that are generating content for you. So, you know, you're sending products, all these micros, now they're creating videos that you can then repost. And they're also promoting your products directly to exactly who you want to be promoting to, you know? Well, and this is also a trickle down effect too. I always, within consultations with clients, always really make it a point like, if you're going to give equity away, like it really, there better be a measured reason for why you're giving it away. And, and the reason I bring it up in this context is like, the more opinions there are, the more likely I would argue it's that you're going to get pushed to like the celebrity influencer deal because you have investors within a company that thinks that think that's cool and aren't necessarily seeing the vision that you're outlining right now with influencers on Instagram. So I even like in a, a disconnected way, I think a, a making a poor decision in terms of taking money on an investment, you know, can have a trickle down effect into marketing and can impact um, the direction you choose. And that's without even going public or anything, even within a private company. I think you have to be careful as far as who's having a say in this stuff from like a corporate governance perspective to take it a legal route, you know? Yeah, no, 100%. And that's like, you know, unfortunately, a lot of these companies aren't even looking to really build a brand. They're just looking to keep raising money and just leveraging press release to get investment, to leverage investment, to get more investment, to get more investment. But then they're just bleeding money out and not even, you know, really worried about it as long as they have their salary for three years till it dries up or whatever. So like definitely see a ton of that too, for sure. And, you know, I see it from their perspective, like, okay, I'm just going to pay for this press release with X celebrity that I can then leverage to this other boomer investor that doesn't understand what's going on. You know what I mean? It's all just to get that next round of funding or whatever through these like press releases or whatever. And yeah, no, I see a ton of that for sure. What are some questions that I, if I'm a brand, I should be asking an agency before I hire that agency to help me out in this space? Yeah. So kind of like with, you know, new client kind of calls we'll typically do kind of like an initial consulting kind of call and just really go through all the main pillars of your brand and kind of where you're at and you know what the pain points are and priorities are and things like that and um kind of just try to develop an understanding of where the brand is at and where they're trying to go um and then just kind of come up with an assessment from there in terms of you know how we roll it out or, or build it um yeah so if there's someone like listening to this and they want to be Aaron Coffee in 10 years or something like that. Like, tell us more about how you got into marketing. Like, where you, if you were starting over again today, where would you start? Um, I'm a big fan personally. I mean, obviously, with certain things, like, you need a degree, but I, I really do like just from my own personal experience, like, everything I've learned about marketing, like, I didn't go to school for marketing. I kind of just like YouTube, podcasts, that sort of thing. But what would your advice be to someone? And I, but I also, I don't run a marketing agency, so I'd be curious to see what your perspective is. Like, what's the route you would advise someone to take um, to become effective in this area? Yeah, I think it's really just, you know, immersing yourself in in as much knowledge as you can. And like, to your point, everything is available on, you know, YouTube now. It's crazy. I mean, it has been, but that's how I pretty much learned everything, honestly, is just by, you know, either just trying it and doing it and jumping in and you know learning from the success or failure of it and then two is really just like you know listening to podcasts as much as possible watching youtube videos 
going on LinkedIn. There's so much value on LinkedIn and so many tips and gems on there. And really just trying to learn from all these different outlets and pillars. But the main thing is just doing it. You know what I mean? It's like, as corny as that sounds, it's like, you really just have to do it. And that's how you learn and kind of build your experience. And um, yeah, like my marketing kind of like college or whatever, I guess you could call it was literally just starting a brand and kind of figuring out as I went along. And, you know, from there you learn sales and you learn e-commerce and you learn email blasts and you learn inventory and production. And, you know, you learn all these different kind of elements and pillars just by kind of like doing it. And in my case, it, it was kind of cool because I had like the clothing side. So I learned all that. And then it was like YouTube. So then I kind of learned all that. And then the agency. So like all these different kind of pillars allowed me to really like educate myself and learn, you know, from just experimenting and just doing so many different kind of things. But yeah, I think really it's like, there's so much good information out there for free. It's like, it's crazy. You know what I mean? And so just, I don't know, just follow all the right kind of like, like, I don't know, like I would listen to like a bunch of like Gary Vee type stuff. Um, or, you know, those type of guys that like have already done it and they've already built hundred million, whatever dollar agencies and done campaigns for all the biggest people. And, you know, they're putting out volumes of content. There's, you know, 50 other people just like Gary Vee, I'm sure that are all putting out, you know, free value every single day. And, you know, I think the people that really like soak that in and, and, you know, leverage it and take it in can definitely get a leg up on people. And now, especially with like all this new AI stuff, it's like, it's just accelerated even faster now. And it's just like, yeah, there's just so many tools and so much value out there. It's just soaking it all up and trying things out, you know, and just doing it. Yeah, no, I'm like a Gary Vee disciple. And honestly, I, I think that's where I started. Con what it, That's probably what got me to start posting consistently back in, well, shit, it's like 2015, I think, on Instagram. Um, and I think he pushes, I mean, he says it best when he like uses the push-up analogy. It's like you can read about doing push-ups but like you need to do push-ups to get better at it kind of deal um ironically i have a quote from gary v on like a on a um i'll get it for you hold on one second actually i've never displayed this because they spelt his name wrong when they made it but you can't really see it with the background but it's uh one of his quotes on like a board but they spelled vader chuck wrong so i didn't use it but um, no, and it's, it's, it's funny you bring up AI too, because it's like, I'm a big believer in, like I was a trial attorney to start off and it's been bizarre to see doing transactional work, how much transferable skills ended up being transferred from being a trial attorney to even, you know, writing contracts, that sort of thing. And, and to me, it's, it's a testament to like, don't underestimate, even if like you're not where you want to be right now you don't know how those skills are going to ultimately transfer to what you eventually end up doing. And I think that's important, but, um, I was, I was kind of going back and forth internally about whether or not I was going to bring up AI and go down that rabbit hole for a minute. So since you brought it up, I will, what, what's your general thought just in terms of like how it could impact marketing? Um, are you guys leveraging it just generally? What are your thoughts with artificial intelligence? Yeah, it's super, super interesting. And, to be honest, I am not super knowledgeable on it, but I have been definitely going down the rabbit hole, you know, the last couple of weeks trying to just figure it out and just kind of see what it's all about. And I just kind of been playing, you know, with the chat GPT and now there's all these new plugins that you can integrate to chat GPT. And it's honestly overwhelming. 
and it's kind of like where do you start you know what i mean there's just like so much you can do and it's really crazy but for me i've seen it as a huge benefit maybe not so much in terms of like writing or producing an end product but more so outlining concepts and giving ideas and you know you can just literally type anything into this thing give me 15 potential names for an edible brand or like I don't know, like literally you ask this thing anything and it just spits it out instantly. Like it's pretty wild. So like, yeah, it's definitely going to like shake up a lot of things, I think. And even from the creative standpoint, like, you know, there's like this new plugin with Photoshop we were playing with yesterday and you drag an image and you just click one button and it just creates a whole background for you. And like, you could just prompt it with certain things. And, and yeah, it's super interesting. And kind of like what I've been learning is it's all about really how you prompt it. And it's about giving the the program the right kind of information and prompt up front to kind of get those more detailed kind of results. And, you know, instead of just being like, write me a tagline for this blog, it's like, you are a professional blog writer in the cannabis space, you know, in a funny tone, write a 700, you know what I mean? Just get very detailed with like how you prompt it. And that's, I've seen make a huge difference in terms of kind of like what it puts out and kind of like the output of it. Um, but I think obviously it's like not going anywhere and it's only gonna keep expanding and accelerating. And I think those that kind of like understand that and can learn it now and develop those skills now are gonna have a huge upper hand um, in the future versus those that think it's just, you know, another fad or whatever, you know? Yeah, no, I was, I was messing around with Adobe as well on Adobe Spark and they now have, it's like the equivalent of like Dolly where you can just use natural language to create a picture. And to your point though, it's it's so important that you know what to put in because what was interesting is they had examples of like a metallic owl that looked really cool and it showed you what prompt to use. So even just like taking snippets of that prompt in asking for what you wanted really made a huge difference. And, and to your point, it really knowing like how to prompt it properly seems to be a really valuable skill. I agree with you there. And as a side note, I'm a big fan of uh, Lex Friedman's podcast. Just if you're trying to, I'm in the same boat, like in terms of no, but by no means an expert and just trying to figure it out or just try to get up to speed at least. And he's had, I think he just had Mark Zuckerberg on. He's had um, Sam Altman, who is the CEO of um, OpenAI. And a number of other people that I think give varying perspectives and it gives like a solid, like at least like a baseline understanding of like what the issues are. So Lex Friedman podcast, everybody is what I would recommend if you're looking for a baseline understanding. Yeah. I was watching the, the episode he had with Mr. Beast, um, the YouTube kid, that kid is next level. It's just so insane. And that was a super interesting one for sure. Well, and that's what, you know, and we can, we'll cap this off and I don't want to keep you too long, but I, I am totally, because it's what I do. Like I'm in favor of like, it's more about getting the content out than necessarily the quality of the content. But when you get to that, like those guys are spending like hundreds of thousands of dollars when they produce those videos is my understanding. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Mr. Beast is spending millions. He's like, what are Island. You know what I mean? And then retrofit the island and then give away a million dollars. And that's one video. And like, yeah, no, his, his operation is like next level. It's It's been super interesting to kind of see his like whole, I've been following him for like a couple of years or whatever. And it's just been crazy to see like what he's done. It's absolutely mind blowing. 
Well, and I think the balance is too, like if you have the resources to do it of the higher quality, like I think you do it. Cause like I see your videos, I see other, um, a, a couple cultivators that I know come to mind in the production quality is like really solid. And you're like, Oh, okay. That's, that's pretty sweet. Um, but it, like my takeaway from this and correct me if I'm wrong is like, especially if you're just getting started, like it's more about just getting started okay. and then improve and, you know, kind of mess with it as you go along. 100%. So, so where do people find high rise agency and where do they find you personally, Aaron? Yeah. So, um, we're on Instagram, high rise agency website, high rise agency. Um, our other channels are high rise TV. Um, and my personal is high rise Aaron. Um, and yeah, we're posting stuff literally every day. So, um, yeah, check us out on Instagram, our website, YouTube, all those, all those good places for sure. All right, man. Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, man. It was good talking to you. Likewise.